everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Convincing Coffee Break with me, Mandy Brown and Richard Snape. Hello. Well, Richard, just to um, to mix things up a bit and on a completely different topic, we're talking about the latest developments in the Building Safety Act 2022 and obviously new information that came out on Valentine's Day. I believe there's been a few developments. So what's, what's been happening? Well, there's a couple of things. There's been one or two cases, which we'll see if time permits, I'll perhaps mention. But uh, they um, two massively important things One uh, happened in the world of conveyancing. One was on February the 8th, a week ago from when we were recording on the 15th today. And the other was yesterday, um, the Valentine's Day, as you mentioned. So shall I tell you about the first one? Yes, please. I've talked about it in the past, although it's moved on quite a lot. Uh, higher risk buildings and not part five, not the least other protections, but part four of the uh, Building Safety Act. Again, different in England and Wales, and perhaps say a bit about Wales before we've finished. Um, higher risk buildings in England are ones that contain at least two dwellings, uh, just to recap this, and we have mentioned it in the past, and they are either 18 metres or more in height, or seven or more storeys in height. And um, they, um, there's lots of legislation in Wales. The, the Welsh government do say they're not going to bring in the relevant provisions, the occupation stage, which is what the conveyances need to know about. Mark Drake for the Welsh uh, First Minister said that they haven't got the same problems with high-rise flats in Wales as in England. Not having recently looked out of the window at the Welsh Assembly building to see Cardiff Bay. Um, so as it stands at the moment... Uh, if you're doing conveyancing in Wales, you don't need to worry too much about it. But the gist of it is that if you've got a higher risk building in England, you have to do the accountable person. It's the uh, person who's responsible for the either repair or maintenance of the common parts or got an interest in possession in the common parts. So, you know, the immediate landlord, basically. Or, you know, you might have a situation where one person's responsible for the repair and maintenance and somebody else has uh, got an interest in possession. But um, the accountable person under threat of criminal prosecution should have registered the building with this new organisation, the Building Safety Regulator, which is part of the Health and Safety Executive. And uh, they should have uh, registered between April the 6th and, and October the 1st last year. And there doesn't seem to be, although the government's denying this, there doesn't seem to be any ability to register late. You know, that might change. It applies to, it's probably worth mentioning with all the talk and the news and the media at the moment, it applies to right to manage companies, it applies to residence management companies who own the freehold, not if they're just intermediaries. And it would apply to common hold associations, can't see why not. The legislation is incredibly complicated. Last time I was talking about it, we didn't, there was, we didn't know whether the registrations occurred because the register wasn't a public document. On February the 8th, a week ago as I speak, the register became a public document. It's on the government's, well, it's on the health and safety executive website. People can tell me if uh, what they think of it in the real world, but you just fill in the postcode and it'll tell you the details, including the height of the building. There's always been this huge discussion, still is, but unfortunately it won't tell you the height of the buildings, the, the five stories or or 11 metres in terms of the leaseholder protections, but it will tell you the height of the building, obviously, if it has been registered. And it'll you also do you know the website address for that, Richard? If you just go onto the government website, just go to, you know, register of higher risk buildings, it's on the health and safety executive, you can find that out. And you fill in the postcode and um, it'll tell you what you need to know. And so you don't need to worry as long as it has been registered with all the 
problems in relation to where the surveyors will tell you the height of the building, you still need to worry about it in 11 metres or more in height or five or more storeys. So that's uh, one quite useful thing if it actually, as I say, works. And if it hasn't been registered as a high-risk building, I'm not sure you should be proceeding. What also has to happen, and there have been regulations that have been produced within the last week or two on this, is that come April, the regulator can ask the accountable person for something called a building safety case report safety case report which you have to produce within 28 days under threat of prosecution so it's a huge hefty document can eventually give you a building assessment certificate and potentially put you under or the, you know, the building under special measures if it's found to be unsafe uh, i think going forward the building safety regulators take saying themselves it'll take five years to process all these buildings but uh, going forward i think you need to start raising inquiries about that the mortgage companies haven't caught up with this as well we need a new section of the lenders handbook to deal with it so that's the first thing bandy and there's more well yes yesterday valentine's day i had a romantic evening uh looking at the law society's guide on the building safety act for conveyances long overdue i have to say the best way of sort of dealing with these things is to look at the law society guide the first half of it is just reiterating what the law is which uh, you know, sort of uh, hopefully you've got an inkling of already but it also does say things like um i said i'm going to say as well that you know the, the qualifying lease date you know crystallizing as to whether you were a qualified lease old owner qualifying lease was also February the 14th, 2022. The powers that be, Michael Gove and the Law Society, they like the romantic side. Why, why do they keep choosing the 14th? It's because they're very romantic people. Michael Gove's notorious for it. Um, you know, not as romantic as uh, Matt Hancock, but he was busy in the, in the jungle. But uh, you can scrub that from the, re the, re the recording if you want. Uh, but anyway, bang goes me knighthood. Yeah, yeah. Both of our knighthoods. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I just wanted to interrupt to remind you that Lawshore provides these courses and podcasts as a value-added service. We can only offer them free thanks to the support of our amazing clients. So if you get value from attending our courses and listening to the podcasts and would like us to continue providing them to you for free, all we ask is that you support us by sending us your bespoke title insurance inquiries. That's all you have to do. It's completely free service with no obligation to take out a policy, although we hope you will. So you have nothing to lose and a whole lot to gain. And now back to the podcast. I'm not sure why the Law Society chose February the 14th, but February 14th, 2022 was decided, you know, the date whether it's a qualified lease crystallises and it doesn't matter what happens from that date because that's the day they decided to change the leaseholder protections when they'd all but gone through Parliament. It's when they published the changes. But anyway, that's it. It's, I'll mention a few things. One thing that the guidance uh, says for conveyances is that uh, you should uh, think about giving web links to the government's various uh, guidance notes as to what to do about the, the leaseholder protections for your clients. I mean, it's bad enough for conveyances to try and figure out all these things, let alone some layperson, but that's uh, what they're suggesting. I'll give you a few snippets, shall I, and uh, not much more. And then do stress, kind of look at the detail yourself. They say that you should review 
uh, your process and precedents and uh, quite rightly they say insurance companies are already looking into that your indemnity API insurance and uh, you know you should think and about things like revising your retainer and terms and conditions, engagement letters and the likes, and including disclaimers where appropriate. You might uh, place limits on the number of cases, leasehold cases you do in a year. And you, as I do think, you know, leases of three or less uh, stories are not a problem. And I think sellers are not anywhere near as much of a problem as buyers, especially if they've got mortgages with some of the mortgages in particular. You might think about assigning you know, leases of more than three stories to specific specialist conveyances uh, or a team within the firm. I've come across, uh, I did some in-house training for several courses, uh, firms actually, and uh, they told me that the insurers were they wouldn't change your premiums the likes if you did that if you, you know, had somebody specialist and senior doing the leasehold conveyancing uh, of more than three stories and also i have to say it um organizing training if you're interested and uh you should be telling your clients whether if they accept instructions whether there'll be a premium to be paid you can't do flats of more than three stories. you can't do flats without a premium quite honestly um, they say things in the engagement letters. Uh, they say things you might uh, have to tell your clients that you reserve the right to cease to act in circumstances where you can't comply with the lender requirements. And you should limit your retainer, for instance, in relation to what the height of the building is. Well, it's not your job. It's not a conveyances job, subject to what we just talked about, to decide on the height of a building. Uh, and uh, the veracity of the more complex parts of a, the various certificates, the leaseholder deeds and certificate and the landlord certificate. And you should be making clear that you're not there to talk to your clients about the physical structure of the building, any fire safety issues. Uh, you should tell buyers that evaluation report is not for them, it's for the mortgagee and uh, it's not going to tell you about matters, safety matters and structural matters. That's in the lender's handbook anyway, 4.4. As you know, Mandy, I've memorised the whole of part one of the mortgage lender's handbook for my appearance on Mastermind with my specialist subject, part one of the UK finance mortgage lender's handbook. But um, you know, if you limit your retain and make this clear to your clients, um, and uh, it goes on to talk about many, many other things. Um, reviewing your general advice to clients. You can't necessarily establish the veracity of the landlord certificate or the leaseholder deeds of certificate. You know, if you can't any assurances to the validity of the, the certificates and the correct nature of the certificates, uh, unless you're absolutely certain. It's not an assurance by yourself, the conveyancer. It's an assurance by the people who fill them in. You can't verify information about the landlord's finances, which are in the landlord's certificates and the likes. You're just basically there to do the conveyancing. We've mentioned already the height of the building. There's still problems, not with the higher-risk buildings, but the, the leaseholder protections. And as I mentioned, you're not there to measure the height of the building. Uh, surveyors are still... I mean, RICS did change the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. did change their guidance back in late November, but I'm still seeing surveyors who refuse to tell you what the height of the building is. And it's still to this day, you know, the leaseholder protections, the five stories, 11 metres, is still an issue. I came across one, it was just before Christmas, actually. It was uh, it was four-storey block of flats, and a, and a fifth, it was a ridged roof, and there was a fifth floor, which uh, was used for, boarded up for storage. And if you look at, you're supposed to ignore any floor, which is just rooftop plant and machinery, but I can't see that's going to be ignored.
that's a five-story block as far as I can see from the legislation. And if there's connecting passageways, which are not just used for an essential maintenance or emergency, as it's you know, treated as one building, so you won't have three stories of connecting passageway and five stories, you know, the legislation applies to the three stories. So there's still a lot to it. You should be checking whether developers have uh, signed up for developers' remediation schemes in relation to fire safety, not just cladding, but uh, remediation generally. 49 of the big developers have signed up. It's a public document. You can just Google that. This is again in England. And the list goes on. They give advising buyers, advising sellers, you know, information from lenders. It's all there. I'll perhaps mention a little bit more. I talked about leaseholder-owned buildings. Shall I tell you about that? Very quickly. Yeah. Well, the if it's if there's a residence management company that owns a freehold, then the leaseholder protections don't apply, or a right to manage company or common hold association for that mass massive common holds. So basically, there's no caps on service charges. Um, you should be making this quite clear to clients. But if it's a higher risk building, which obviously you can check now if it's been registered, then it still applies to right to manage companies and residence management companies. It'll apply to common hold, as we mentioned. And so you should be warning the clients of the sort of regulatory problems. There's no way, no way, unless they employ experts, they uh, will be able to do this themselves. And also it's in Section 112 of the Building Safety Act. Uh, they've amended Section 30 of the 85 Landlord and Tenant Act. Uh, you should tell clients that if it's a higher risk building, there are various implied terms that are in your leases. So the landlords can, for instance, on 48 hours notice at a reasonable time, enter the premises. They can carry out work. They can inspect the premises. The landlord must cooperate with the tenant and vice versa. And any costs uh, of building safety costs and higher risk buildings can be added to service charge. Uh, I suppose, finally, shall I briefly tell you about the, the latest in Wales? And Yeah, I think it would be um, rude to leave out our, uh, our colleagues in Wales. Well, lots of conveyances in Wales do conveyancing in England and vice versa as well. It was late November, the Welsh government confirmed what they'd said back in the spring of last year, that uh, the leaseholder protections in their English form won't come in in Wales, but they'll introduce provisions in relation to fire safety, not structural safety as in England, but fire safety in 11 metre or more in height buildings with residential element to them. And uh, there's 10 developers in Wales who've sent, signed up to a building safety contract. They will carry out fire safety works you know, for premises that uh, they developed. If you're not in the list of 10 uh, and if the landlord can't afford to pay for the safety works, the Welsh government say they'll help them out in the payments if they've got enough money. I'm not sure if they have, but there's no concept like a qualifying leaseholder in Wales. And uh, if you're doing conveyancing in Wales, you know, you should be glad of that. If it's a dwelling, 11, flat at 11 metres or more in high block, then you should come within the fire safety schemes at least. So no messing around like that. And that's it. But do look at the guide yourselves. Well, amazing. Thanks, Richard, for um, clearly doing um, all of the uh, all of your homework and uh, summarising everything. So. Yes, over a, over a romantic drink of Japanese, not read gin. Absolutely. Until next time. Okay, thank you. You have been listening to another episode of Conveyancing Coffee Break, 
the only podcast for busy convincing professionals. Brought to you by Lawshore Insurance Brokers, an award-winning UK provider of title insurance. For more information on our free conferences, go to www.lawshoreinsurance.co.uk where you can download recent conference recordings.